Okay, Boker Tov and a good Erev Shabbos Hagadol. So uh, this Shabbos we read Parsha Tzav, a greatly neglected Parsha due to Shabbos Hagadol, the great Tashanim of the world. Omit a drusha Shabbos morning because of Shabbos Hagadol. Another time worth discussing how did Shabbos Hagadol get its name. What is so great in Gadol about this uh, Shabbos? But uh, Parsha Tzav is often uh, neglected and I was tempted to neglect it myself and not have our Parsha class today because there is so much to do in anticipation of the Helega Pesach, but we decided that uh, how could we neglect the Parsha? So what I would like to do is, um, rather than the combination, both because Parsha's Tzav is a little difficult to go through the Mephorshim, like last week's Parsha is very, very technical. Korbanos, measurements, animals, places, sprinklings, slaughtering, it's very, very technical and complicated and difficult. combination of that and the inability to really uh, prepare so instead what I did is I made a copy of uh, an article, an essay, in the Nesiva Shalom, and I thought we would go through it together. And it's on our Parsha, and uh, hopefully we'll get something out of it. So Nesiva Shalom is written by Rav Shalom Noach Borzovsky, Zechar Tzadik Kadosh Lavracha. Rav Shalom Noach Borzovsky was the Slonim Rebbe. Slonim is a uh, form of Hasidus, is a dynasty of Hasidus. He was the previous Slonim, he was the previous Slonim Rebbe. He was Nifter, he passed away uh, not long ago, within the last 10 years. And uh, I used to go, when I was in my uh, years in Israel, after high school, I used to go every now and then, I would spend Shabbos in Yerushalayim, I would walk to Meisharam Geula Friday night to attend some of the Hasidish Tishes. If you've never been to a Tish, you should, it's incredible. I direct that mostly towards the men, by the way. I don't know how incredible it is for the women. But the Tish is incredible. You walk into this huge base medrash, there's, there's bleachers going up the walls, Hasidim are packed in arm in arm, and as the Rebbe has his meal, the whole, uh, the whole origin of a Tish, of Shiraim, is that uh, when you finish davening, everybody goes home and has their meal. When you wash, you have in mind not to bench at home. You finish your meal, you don't bench. You go to the base medrash, you go to the shul, where the Rebbe has just finished preparing to have his suda Shabbos, and then you listen to him, makes Kiddush, Hamotzi, eats his meal, and everything he eats, he passes out. Because there's a uh, concept that everything that the a holy person has contact with, he elevates. So if food for us is mundane and base and animalistic, and a righteous person, a tzaddik, interacts with food, they elevate that food to have a certain level of holiness. That's the origin of, of Shirayim, the concept of eating the remnants, the leftovers of a righteous person. So uh, the, the Rebbe takes a slice of challah, they cut up the rest of the challah, gets passed around, everybody tries to get a piece. The Rebbe has some fish, they... Uh, so when I used to go to the Hasid Shatishes, everything, I don't want to begin to describe to you, you might lose your breakfast. Everything is passed hand by hand by hand by hand by hand. Depending where you are positioned in the bleachers, you could be eating something that's gone through 400 pairs of hands. Slonim was the one tish that I would go to that everything was put on a plate with a fork and it was passed around the shirayim in a very, very dignified way. So I've always, always very taken by, by Slonim. And then the Slonim Rebist, uh, they started printing his uh, Svarim, his Divrei Torah, which um, really became very, very popular and really resonated with me and with many others, as you'll see, because he takes Kabbalistic concepts, he takes Hasidus, but he's able to capture it and communicate it in a way which makes it accessible to even those not familiar with the vocabulary of Kabbalah or of Hasidus per se. So that's Rav Shalom Noach Brzovsky, the, uh, the Slonim Rebbe Zatzal. So here in his Sefer Nesiv Shalom, 
which originally came out on the Moadim and on Midos, and later they put it out volumes on, on the Parshios. Now he has on, on all of the different holidays and Shovavim and being a, in Ben Yeshiva and constantly a lot of booklets have come out of his. So here I want to study his, his uh, article within this uh, Sefer, Gedolim HaShlamim Shosim Shalom Ben Yisrael Avim Shabashamayim. The concept of the Korban Shlamim. Right, the last week's parsha and this week's parsha goes through many different categories of korbanos. There's a korban which is a chatas, a sin offering, an asham, a guilt offering. There's the korban which is a korban mincha, a meal offering. There are so many different the korban of the parhalam shotzibur, korban of the when the when the kohen first comes to serve. There's there's all different forms, all different categories of korbanos. So one of the categories of korbanos is what we call a Karban Shlomim. If you have the art scroll, the stone chumash in front of you and you want to see it, it's uh, page 574. In fact, we, let's look at the Pesukim before we even begin to look at the, at the uh, Nesiva Shalom. So page 574, it's Perak Zion, chapter 7, Pasuk Yud Aleph. Says the Torah in introducing this Karban, V'zos Torah Zevach HaShlomim. This is the law of the feast of the Korban Shlomim, the peace offering. Shlomim comes from Shalom, peace. Asher Yakriv Lashem, which should be offered to God. Imal Toda Yakrivenu, if you're offering it as a thanksgiving offering. So here we have the Korban Shlomim, the peace offering, which is a voluntary sacrifice brought in order to promote the relationship, the connection one has to Hashem. A subcategory of the Korban Shlomim is the Korban Toda. What's a Korban Toda? A thanksgiving offering. Who brings a thanksgiving offering, a Korban Toda? Mishnah delineates there are four people who bring a Korban Toda. Someone who passes over the sea, a successful journey, someone who's released from prison, somebody who is healed from illness, and someone who is released from captivity. Those are the four? Those are the four. That's the fourth. That's the Korban... That's the, the Korban Toda. They bring a special offering of... Thanksgiving. Today, by the way, we don't have a Korban Toda. Today we don't have the sacrifice to give thanks. We've replaced the Korban Toda, the sacrifice of thanks, with a, with a uh, benching Gomel. Yes. The Gomel Bracha, which doesn't appear in the Gemara, is modeled after the Korban Toda. And, uh, and a Suda Soda, having a meal of Thanksgiving, a Suda Soda is also modeled after the Korban Toda. So what is this Korban Toda? Says the Torah, Imal Torah Yakrivenu, Imal Toda Yakrivenu, if you're offering it as a gratitude, V'yikrival Zevach HaToda Chalos Matzos Blulos Bashemen, Urikike Matzos Meshuchim Bashamen, V'solos Murbekes Chalos Blulos Bashamen. So if you're offering it as a Thanksgiving, you bring it with loaves mixed with oil, wafers with oil, loaves of scalded fine flour mixed with oil. With loaves of love and bread shall you bring it, the feast, the korban toda, the gratitude. You offer of each kind a portion to Hashem, it belongs to the Kohen who throws the blood of the sacrifice. And the meat of the korban has to be eaten on the day that it's offered, it cannot be left until the morning. And that's the Korban Toda. Now there's an unusual thing about the Korban Toda. Normally when it comes to a Korban Shlomim, what we're going to study in, in greater detail momentarily, normally when it comes to this peace offering, this bid for connection with Hashem, one has two days and one night to eat it. Most Korbanos are eaten by the Kohen. The Kohen exclusively gets the meat of the Korban. 
the Korban Shlomim, the individual who brings it gets the meat. Understand that's a tremendous consequence because bringing an animal is not cheap. If you think buying a couple of rib steaks is expensive, if you think buying a couple, uh, a couple of uh, tenderloins is expensive, imagine bringing the whole cow, ram, sheep. It's expensive. So if you have to bring that animal and then you basically just fed a whole group of kawanim versus bringing that animal and being able to host your own barbecue. So normally the korban shlamim shlam is, is different in that it's eaten by the bailam, it's eaten by the individual who brings the korban. And normally the individual has a somewhat lengthy period of time to eat it, the day that it's brought, that night, and the next day. Two days and a night. And you know, so it's six meals, it can be six meals, four meals, eight meals, depending what diet you're on. But it's, uh, it's a lot of meals to be able to eat it. The korban toda is different. The korban toda, we just saw the pasuk, has to be eaten by the end of that day. A day and a night, the carbon toda gets. Why does the carbon toda get almost half the time that a normal shlomim gets? So here there's an insight of the netziv. It's a famous insight. I've quoted it often. Shechter is uh, fond of quoting it. The netziv says, Rav Natali Tzvi Yehuda Berlin. Says the netziv. There's a brilliant insight into the concept of gratitude. When you're truly grateful for something, you don't keep it to yourself. When you've experienced a miracle, because one of the four things that precipitate this carbon are essentially miracles, supernatural events. In the natural order, you didn't, shouldn't have expected to survive crossing the sea. It's not today, although today some of these cruise liners also, you shouldn't necessarily expect to, to be able to make it home alive. But it's not today where there's a certain sense of luxury. You cross the sea, it was a, it was a life-threatening voyage. Illness could be life-threatening, captivity and so on. So when you experience a miracle, says the Nitziv, it's not meant, if, if you keep it to yourself, you're not truly grateful. That which you're grateful for, you want to scream from the rooftops. You want to take out an ad. You want to take out a billboard on 995. So says the Nitziv, by shortening the period of time that you have to eat the Korban Toda, what does that automatically do? It means you have to invite others to participate. You have this whole animal which has to be eaten in such a short time. It's impossible, no matter what, what kind of carnivore you are, it's impossible to eat that amount in that period of short time. So, by shortening the length of time you have to eat it, but requiring you to eat the whole thing, you are forced to invite other people. And says the Nitziv, that's the real way that gratitude is expressed. When you invite other people, when you surround yourself with friends, when you share your expression of gratitude, that's true gratitude. When you keep it to yourself and quietly, it's unclear if you're sincere. But when you want the world to know and to participate and to echo your sentiment of gratitude, that's the most authentic gratitude that is. And therefore, again, the Nitziv alludes to that's the origin of the Siddhas Hodah. A person experiences one of those four things today. A person experiences some kind of miraculous redemption. A person experiences some form of, of uh, salvation, of healing. They make a meal of thanksgiving. Sponsor Shalashiris, make a meal in your home, bring people together, and be able to publicly acknowledge Hashem, thank Hashem, publicly express that gratitude, modeled after the real way that the Korban Toda was designed. Another anomaly or interesting thing about the Korban Shlomim, the Medrash of Ayyikarava teaches that when Mashiach comes in Yemosa Mashiach, there'll be no need for the Korbanos to achieve Kapara. Achatas, Achatas, which is a sin offering, which is brought when we make a mistake, not when you do something on purpose. A person who does an Avera Beshogeg, 
person who does a, a Avera by accident, right, those learning the Dafyomi spent a lot of time on how do you define Shogig, beginning Shogig, at the end of Shogig, what if in the middle you became aware that it's Asr, and then in, in Masech Shabbos we dealt with that length. Shogig could mean you didn't know today was Shabbos, and therefore you did something prohibited, or you knew today was Shabbos, but you didn't know that that act was prohibited. So what happens if you didn't know it the first, but then you knew by the time you finished? What happens if you didn't know, then in between you found out, and then you did the same act again, but you had forgotten, so you didn't know again? There's a lot, a lot, a lot of discussion, those who did the Dafyomi recall. So, what? Bringing all these korbanos, yeah, it could be very expensive. It could be very expensive. So, um, a korban chattis is brought when a person does a, an, a, a avera by accident. And there's a guilt offering. So these achieve atonement. These, these karbanos achieve atonement. In Yemosa Mashiach, these will be unnecessary. They won't need to be brought. The only carbon that will be brought will be the shlamim, this thanksgiving offering, this bid for connection, this desire for connecting with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that will uh, endure, and that will be brought during the time of Yemosa Mashiach. Okay, so with that background and introduction, let's take a look at this uh, essay by the Salam Rebbe, which for purposes of disclosure, I haven't really looked at yet, so I'm hoping it's interesting. And that we understand it together. Yeah, sorry, you had a question? Uh, yeah, so if we're not going to do Korbanos when Mashiach comes, why do we. Who start? says we're not going to do Korbanos when Mashiach comes? That's what I have to see now. No, no, no. Many Korbanos we will still do. The Kapara Korbanos, oh. the Medrash says you won't. So that's a good question. What will Yemosa Mashiach look like? That's a big machlokus between the Rambam and the Ramban. Is it going to look exactly as it does now? The only difference will be no Ahmadinejad, no Syria, no Jordan, no Egypt. No. In other words, we won't be threatened. We won't have to have a military. We won't have to worry about security. But other than that, you're still going to work and earn a parnasa and live life and learn Torah. That's the Rambam who paints a portrait of Yemosa Mashiach as essentially ordinary, the same as it is now, just eliminating the need for security. And the Ramban, who says, no, it's a redemptive era, it's a totally different spiritual time. So, I don't know how the Rambam deals with this medrash. It's a good question. Okay, so let's take a look at the Salam Rebbe. He quotes the opening Pasuk that we just read from Perak Yud, Perak Zion, Pasuk Yud Aleph. This is the law of the feast of the peace offering that's brought to Hashem. And later when the Parsha revisits the concept of the Korban Shlamim, again it says, this is the law, of someone who offers Zevach Shlamav, the feast of their of their uh, thanksgiving, of their peace offering, Lashem Yaviyaz Karbanah, Lashem Mizbech Shlamav. So the Kliyakar asks a question. Salana Marebbe quotes the Kliyakar. Kliyakar Amar, does anyone need to, do you have? The Kliyakar asks, Rav Lunchitz. In the introduction to every other, you need also. In the introduction to every other section, it says these are the laws of the Ola, of the elevation offering. These are the laws of the Chatas of the sin offering. Here there's an extra word. It doesn't just say to be parallel to the others. These are the laws of the peace offering. It says this is the law of the feast, Zevach, of the peace offering. So why is the Shlomim unique that it's introduced with the word Zevach, Zos Toras Zevach HaShlamim, where it just says Zos Toras HaOla and Zos Toras Okay? Why the addition of the word Zevach? 
Vigam, that's a Kliyakra's question. Vigam Amor od Bishlamav Yadav Tevienna as Ishay Hashem. It also says, Yadav Tevienna, your hands should bring it to the fire of Hashem. Fire of Hashem is, of course, a reference to the Mizbeach, the altar where the fire burns. The fire burns, by the way, perpetually. Even through the night, there's a mitzvah to keep the fire lit, the fire aflame. This is a level where it describes Yadav, your hands, bringing the carbon, which does not appear when it comes to the other carbonos. So notes the Salonim Rebbe to begin, two anomalies, two unusual, unique characteristics that apply to this sacrifice, unlike the others. Number one, he says, it's introduced with the word Zevach, Zos Torah Zevach Shlamav. And number two, it says Yadav, brought by your hands. And we find more anomalies, more unusual characteristics of this sacrifice. It says in the Zohar HaKadosh, Of all the Karbonos, says the Hei Gezair, of all the Karbonos, of all the sacrifices, None are as dear, as beloved to the Almighty as the Shlamim, which we find bring peace in the upper realms and the lower ones. This statement in the Zohar is similar to that in the Medrash Tanchuma, which says that the Karban Shlamim is most beloved to Hashem. It is so great that it brings peace between God and between Jewish people and their father in heaven. So he says, another distinction. He says, the korban ola is entirely burnt on the altar. So when you bring an elevation offering, the meat, the fat, everything sits on the altar, burns, is entirely consumed. The korban chatas, the blood and the fats are, and the meat, uh, the blood and the fats are sprinkled on the mizbeach. And the hide and the meat go to the Kohanim. Kohanim ochlem abaylam eschaprim. The Kohen eat the meat, and the one who brought it achieves atonement. Aval ashlamim v'hatoda haisadama ve'imorelam izbeach. When it comes to the korban shlamim, we've been talking about the peace offering, the blood and the fats go to the mizbeach, the altar. V'achazev ha'ashok la'kohanim. And certain parts of the animal, which are the right, the entitlement to go to the Kohen, that's how they earn their living. But as I mentioned earlier, the one who brings this korban, they get to barbecue, they get to eat the meat. So that's why it's called the Feast of the Shlomim. Because when it comes to every other korban, someone is left out. The Ola, entirely burnt on the altar. The Chatas, some on the altar, some to the Kohen. Only the Shlomim, does the altar get its part? the blood and the fats. The Kohanim get their part, the Chazeh and the Lechayayim, and the, and the Shok, and the, uh, and the meat goes to the person who brings it. So it's called the Shlomim because it brings Shalom Lakol. It makes everybody happy. It's a smorg. Everybody gets to eat what they want. It's the food court. So the Slanim Rebbe winds up his questions. He asks five questions here. Right? Number one, why is it introduced the word Zevach? Number two, why does it say Yadav, brought by his hands? Number three, why is it described as so beloved to God? Number four, 
Why is it so great that it brings peace between Jewish people and their Father in Heaven? And number five, why specifically the Shlomim, Shalom Lakol, why is the Shlomim specifically designed that everybody gets a piece of it? The altar gets its piece, the Kohanim get their piece, and the Jewish people or the people who bring it get their piece. Okay? Follow those five questions? Good. V'yeshlam Rebbezeh says the Shlomim Rebbe the following. Dehinei Avodas Hashem Yeshna Bebez Madregos. There are two metaphors there are two levels, there are two attitudes or perspectives we bring to our service of the Almighty. Ka'avadim ukebanim. On the one hand, we serve God like slaves. On the one hand, we are in servitude. God is our master. God owns us. God determines our time. He dictates our actions. We are to serve the Almighty. On the other hand, kebanim. He's our father. We're His children. Children don't serve their father. Sure, there's a mitzvah of kavod, of honor, there's a mitzvah of yira, of awe, but I don't think it's a healthy functional relationship to describe the relationship between parents and children as the children serving the parents. There's love, there's affection, there's loyalty, there's honor and awe, but it's predicated on love and affection. So, says the Son of Rebbe, we bring both to our relationship. There are two dimensions to our relationship with Hashem. At times we bring the attitude of avadim, we're slaves, we're in service of Him. And at other times, we are kabanim, we're like children. Sound familiar? Rosh Hashanah. After we blow the shofar three times, we say, Today stand in, in justice all of the creations of the world. Whether as sons, whether as children, or whether as slaves. Says the son of Marebbe, if you've ever stopped to think about that paragraph after we blow shofar that we sing three times, what's the mishpat? Hayom yamid by mishpat kol yitzuri olamim. Today stand in judgment all of creation. Im kevanim im kavadim. That's the judgment. God looks at the one standing in front of him and decides: Am I going to look at you like my son? Am I going to look at you like my servant? What kind of judge will I be? What is my attitude and approach towards you? A servant serves his master only in those things which were explicitly commanded of him. The servant simply does what's asked of him or her. They're not looking to bring joy and satisfaction and go above and beyond to the master. They're not looking for a promotion. There is no promotion. When you're a servant, you're owned by your master, you do exactly as you're told, no more and no less. Because it's served from fear, not from love. In fact, you don't seek to volunteer to do more than you're asked because you may be wrong. And you don't want to mess with the master who can cut off your head. So a servant does exactly what's asked of them, no less, because they're fear. And no more, because of their fear. They do exactly. But a child... A child doesn't just do what they're asked. A loving child anticipates, predicts, envisions what will bring joy and satisfaction and pleasure to the parent. A real loyal child will say, what will bring joy to my parent? They asked for this, if I do this plus that, if I do this in this way, if they didn't even ask for anything, but I'm going to do it, Boy, will that bring satisfaction. Says the son of Marebi, that is the superiority, that's the greatness of this sacrifice. 
of the Korban Shlamim over all the others. When it comes to all the other sacrifices, you're like a slave. God said, here's what you need to do. You did X, you need to bring Y. You made a mistake. The Korban Chatas and the Korban Asham achieve one kind of Kapara, one kind of atonement for mistakes, for guilt that you have. The Korban Ola, the elevation sacrifice, which is entirely consumed, that achieves atonement for Hirure Avera, the improper thoughts and fantasies and desires you had. Of Ashlamim. But the shlomim ain't a boy machet. It's not brought in response to a mistake that you made. It's not brought out of a sense of obligation or duty. What precipitates a korban shlomim? A Jew sits and says, I want to feel close to Hashem. I want to, I want to connect. A bid for connection. A bid to feel close. And the Korban Toda, which is a subcategory of the Shlomim, is brought out of gratitude. Gratitude and thanksgiving is what a child feels for a parent. Says the son of Marebi, that's the difference. I can approach God in my relationship with Him like I'm a slave. I'm obligated. It's my duty. I have to just mail it in. I have to check off these boxes. This is what's commanded of me. This is what's expected of me. That's what I have to do. There's no real relationship. The slave and master don't have a relationship. The slave wants to survive. And in exchange for, for um, a roof over his head and food in his mouth and clothing, the slave does what he has to do. So I can bring that attitude to my relationship with the Almighty. God gives me life. He gives me whatever health that I'm blessed to have. In exchange for the roof over my head and the capacity to open my eyes or take two steps in the morning, okay, tzitzis, like candles, Shabbos, yanta, I do what he asks. Or I could connect to Hashem like a son to a parent. Love, relationship, seeking to understand, to connect, loyalty, to deepen a relationship, to feel affection, to anticipate the needs, to give nachas. So the other korbanos are like a slave. It's in response to what I have to do. The korban shlamim is the one korban which is not in response to what I have to do, but it is a voluntary bid for connection, a desire to get close. It's bebechinas. It's in the category of a child to a parent. So he says the, the great Heilagah Hasidah Rebbe from Kubrin had the following insight. He's in Shul Shabbos morning and in Musaf he's davening, leading the davening of Musaf. He's the Chazan and he says the words that we all say every single Shabbos. We will do and we will bring before you with love. Musaf Yom HaShabbos Hazeh the Korban Musaf which is the additional sacrifice for Shabbos or Yantif. The Korban Mus of God we bring before you in sacrifice, Bi'ahava with love. The Rebbe has this epiphany, this insight. He goes home 
and at his Shabbos table he shares that when we say the words Na'asev and Na'kriv Lefanecha we will bring and sacrifice before you it's not the animal it's ourselves it's us the Korban Shlomim is not I'm bringing the animal some external, superficial tangible item but I'm bringing the animal as a symbol of I'm bringing myself it's what's in me so here the Islam Rebbe has explained why does it describe Yadav that you bring this Korban with your own hands? It means because you're bringing yourself. You're not just going through the motions. You're not just doing an action. You're not just doing something that's demanded of you as a checklist. You're doing something out of love. Something voluntary. You bring with your own hands. It's one thing in a relationship. Spouse asks you, will you do A, B, and C? You do A, B, and C, you were asked. But imagine the relationship where you don't do A, B, and C because you were asked, but you think of D on your own. You go out and you buy it. You see something and it reminds you of your spouse, so you get it for them. You know that while your spouse is out, if you clean the garage for Pesach, if you kasha the microwave, if you pack the suitcase, if you, you anticipate something that you know will bring them such joy and satisfaction and nachas, they come home and they find it. So that's described by Yadav. You did that with your own hands. If you said take out the garbage and you took out the garbage, eh, it's not an act of love. It's not an act of affection. You took out the garbage because you were asked to take out the garbage. You don't say, I took out the garbage with my own hands. But if while your spouse was out, you cleaned the house for Pesach, you baked a cake, you took care of the shopping, you uh, did, without their asking, you anticipated something, you wrote the most beautiful cards, you brought home a dozen roses, a box of chocolates. Then you describe that biyadav, you did that with your own hands, because implicit within that action is a piece of yourself. What you really did was give a piece of yourself. Says the son of Marebbe, which true in the human relationship, in the human realm, is all the more true in our relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. When all we do is reactionary, when we fulfill that which God asks us, Okay, it's nice. Certainly it's the cornerstone. It's the foundation of a relationship. But the real depth of a relationship, the real romance of a relationship, the real love of a relationship is to anticipate and to do even that which is not asked of you before it's asked of you. That's Bechina's Banim. That's like being a child. That's like being a spouse. That is having a truly deep and powerful and profound relationship. And so he continues... And that's why, unlike the other sacrifices, a korban shlomim, the one who brings it, gets to eat from it. The other korbanos are brought like a slave. Does a slave get to sit at the dining room table with the master? No, the slave has slave quarters in the dungeon, in the basement, in the back room, in the closet. A slave doesn't sit down at the dining room table and eat with the master. So the karbonos that we bring as a slave, as a checklist reactionary, we don't get to eat it. But the karbon, karbon, the shlamim that we bring as children seeking a relationship, well, when you want a relationship, you go out for dinner. When you want a relationship, you eat together. The same table. I alluded to last week that a Nachri, a non-Jew, a Gentile is also able to bring a Korban. A non-Jew, a Gentile can volunteer a Korban Shlomim in the Mishkan, the Beis HaMikdash. But the Gemara Menachos Ayin Gimel says that when he does, it's offered like a Korban Ola. 
meaning it's entirely consumed on the Mizbeach, he does not get to eat it. Says the Salonim Rebbe, you know why? Because for the non-Jew, as close as they can be with Hashem, it'll never be the level of relationship of sitting at the dining room table that we have. The Gemara says that a non-Jew, a Gentile who entirely keeps Shabbos, keeps Shabbos in its entirety, is liable for death. Right? That's why when we have somebody in the conversion process, I'm converting someone at 1 o'clock today, get them to be Jewish before Pesach, so they come to the Seder table as a Jew, you think most people would say, you know what? Convert me after Pesach. <laughs> Let me still have... But no, he wants to be Jewish. So... But until the day, until the moment they convert, they have to violate Shabbos. The conversion candidate, we tell them, as much as you're practicing to live an observant life, find one thing. Turn on the light. Write two letters. It's you know, you know the joke about the guy who doesn't hold by the Erev. Everyone know that joke? But uh, a guy who, who keeps Shabbos in its entirety gets the death penalty. Why? Because Shabbos is exclusive. It's intended to be a treasure, a gift, it represents the relationship, the exclusive relationship between God and the Jewish people. The concept of a Sabbath a, a non-Jew can have. Keep a Sabbath. It's healthy to have a Sabbath. But not our Sabbath, exactly modeled after what we have. So similarly here, the Korban Shlomim, a non-Jew can bring, but not the same way as the Jew. Says that some Rebbe, if we understand the Korban Shlomim, captures this other relationship we have with Hashem. Not just mailing it in, not just fulfilling a checklist, not just reacting to what He demands of us, but a relationship, connecting, authentic, genuine love, anticipation. Then we understand that great is peace, the world only exists because of peace. And that's why the Torah, its centerpiece is peace. Its paths are pleasant, and all of its nesivoseh, all of its ways are shalom, are peace. How do we end our davening? Next page. How do we end the davening? God who blesses us with peace. Rabim, the right, the end of all Shas ends with the word Shalom. The uh, Kaddish ends with Shalom. Shalom permeates our lives. And that's the connection we find between Shalom, Shlomim, and Shabbos. It says in the Zohar, Shalom who Shabbos, the Yu Shlama di Loivetitoi. What's our hope in our prayer Friday night in Kabbalah Shabbos? We end right before we say the Amidah. We ask God, Spread out over us your sukkah of peace. And we bless God. Blessed are you, God. Who spreads out the canopy of peace on us. On the Jewish people, via Yerushalayim, from the Isa When a Jew walks into their home on Friday night, Shabbat Shalom Umivorach. Shabbat Shalom Umivorach. The Arizal says that the greeting, the entrance of a Jew into the home Friday night, should be Shabbat Shalom Umivorach. 
a peaceful and blessed Shabbos. You see that Shabbos is a time of serenity, of tranquility, of peacefulness. All week long, we're like Avadim. I gotta daven, I gotta make the bracha, I gotta bench afterwards, I gotta give the stuck, I gotta, I'm so busy, I gotta get to work, I gotta get to the gym, I gotta go shop, I gotta make the lunches, I gotta, we're busy, 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 busy all week long, we're like Avadim. Our relationship to Hashem is superficial, it's reactionary, I gotta do whatever I have to do, I've gotta check these things off my checklist, because I gotta get them done, because I have to live my life, because I'm so busy, 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 busy. Shabbos, oh, Shabbos comes, I have the ability to be kibbanim, not like Avadim. Now my relationship with Hashem transforms like a child, like a spouse, love, and that's characterized by the Korban Shlomim. So Shabbos, Shabbat Shalom, Shalom, Shlomim, and Shabbos go together. Shabbos is a time, my bid for connection, my yearning, my longing for intimacy with the Almighty, my desire to have a relationship, not of a slave who seeks to just fulfill my obligations and duties, but of a relationship, of a real desire for connection. That's why Ufro Salenu Sukash Shalom Mecha, Hapori Sukash Shalom Aleinu, Uva Odof, and Yeshlavar Indian Korban Shalom Machav Yosem Mikola Karbonos, Vaosa Shalom Bin Yisrael Aviyam Shabashamayim, Apiamuva Betaras Avos. Shabim Yehudim Rutsa Minahegas, Abori Bacholof and Shakashbor, Misnagimo, Mida Kenegid Mida, Mikamba Gamakashbor, Hasanagoso, Bacholof and Shemisnaik. We have a principle that Hashem reacts to the relationship we bring towards Him. If God to us, we're not sure He really exists or not. So God's not sure if we exist. If we're casual in our relationship with God, God is casual in our relationship to us. If we say, I'm not sure God's involved in my life, God says, I'm not sure I want to be involved in your life. God has a reciprocal relationship that we have with Him. In fact, I'm speaking about the Shabbos HaGadol, which just happens to be the Shabbos. Shabbos HaGadol, we're doing the theme of the Torah mentions in three places a prohibition to go to Mitzrayim. Once God took us out of Egypt, we're not allowed to live there again. Very interesting halacha. The Rambam quotes the Salah Halamaisa. There's only one major problem. The Rambam lived in Egypt. As did the Radvaz, the Arizal, Ravavadya Yosef. So how could they all live in Egypt? There's a pro- Torah prohibition to live in Egypt. So we'll examine it from a halachic perspective. We'll see why is there this prohibition. I found a tshuva of Meshulam Rat, the Kol Mavaser, who right after the Holocaust anticipates us. Ten pages of a tshuva, of a question, perhaps we should forbid Jews to live in Germany today. Just like we can't go back to Egypt after what they did to us, we shouldn't go back to Germany. Very interesting. And where I'm going to wind up with the Shabbos Agadla Drasha, after three or four hours, just joking, not three or four hours, shorter, hopefully. <laughs> it could be three or four hours. There's that much exciting information. Where we'll wind up is that Egypt is not just a geographic location, but it's a state of mind. Our Avos, in times of famine, went to Egypt and came back to Israel. God took us to Brisbane and Psalm. It was a promise we had to go through Egypt before we could be a nation. What does Egypt represent? What does Israel represent? And what does God mean, don't go back to Egypt, once I took you out? What is the philosophy of life of Egypt versus Israel? And what we'll see, it's all about our relationship with Hashem. And that's what this is. God has a reciprocal relationship. You want an Egyptian-style relationship with God? Casual, really believing in nature, unsure, agnostic or you want a faithful relationship with Hashem, an Eretz Yisrael Dikah relationship with Hashem. That's the choice that we have, and God reciprocates the choice that we make. The Aptarov, 
Rav Avram Yeshaya uh, Heshel, right? Yeshua um, Heshel, the Apterov, Abraham Joshua Heshel's grandfather, who was the Apterov, the O of Yisrael. He writes, Shetachlas Abriyish Yehudi Yemarutu Minagel Mehabore. Says the Apterov, the O of Yisrael, you know what the purpose of life is? To give Nachas to Hashem. It's a totally different model and way of thinking. It's a totally different way of thinking. You know, a child at different stages of their life, for example, adolescence and teenage is not one of them, but I'm in that stage now. I'm in a stage of life now where I get unbelievable satisfaction giving nachas to my parents. If I have something uh, that I'm proud of, I share it with them because I know that bringing them joy and pride is worth more than winning the lottery. My children for me, when my children do something that gives me nachas, could there be a greater joy? more than any card they could write for me, more than any gift they could give me, is doing something that gives me nachas. Right? The concept of nachas is, is of inestimable value. It is a currency that is greater than any other, that we underestimate. And I think we fail our children by not describing to them the concept of giving Hashem nachas. Why should you do such a thing? You're giving Hashem nachas. Rabbi Arya Kaplan writes that one of the greatest... God designed us in such a way that one of the greatest joys we can get is to give nachas to a superior. At work, there's studies that show that um, much more rewarding to the employee is the praise of the employer than even a financial reward. Countless studies show that employees would much more appreciate uh, acknowledgement than they even need a bonus, than they need a financial. Because God designed us in such a way that knowing we brought satisfaction to our superior, be they our boss, be they our parent, be they the Almighty, provides us greater satisfaction than money. So imagine if we tried to communicate to our children, and we lived our lives, bless you, in such a way that we talk about giving nachas to Hashem. Why should you do this? It doesn't mean so much to you. It doesn't bring you... Because you're giving nachas to Hashem. Bringing nachas to Hashem. And isn't that a value? The value of bringing nachas to Hashem. Says the Apterov, that's the Tachlas Abriya. She Yehudi Yemurutsa Min Hagasabore. Vazokashborchum Rutsa Min Hagasa. Right? In fact, that's what the Mephorshim write, Reach Nichoch Lashem. The Korbanos are described as bringing a pleasant aroma to Hashem. A Reach Nichoch means you're giving Hashem a Nachas Ruach, Rashi writes. You're giving Hashem Nachas. You're giving Hashem joy. Vishlomer Sidom Ashmos Korban Shlom, Shehudi Makrivosa Bin Adava, Mitochiosum Rutsa Ban Hagasabore. So when you volunteer this Korban Shlomim to Hashem, could there be a greater nachas? If your child calls and says, I'd like to have lunch with you, Dad. I want to spend some time with you. Is there a greater nachas for a parent that the child says, I want to spend some time with you? Do you have time to talk? I'd like to have lunch with you. Can I have some of your time? A Korban Shlomim is our saying to Hashem, I'd like to have lunch with you. And then Hashem reciprocates. We're allowed to eat the meat of the Shlomim, unlike any other Korban. God says, you want to have lunch with me? Let's have lunch. Let's eat. Let's spend time together. It's more beloved to Hashem than all else. When the Jew accepts and reaches out and wants to have lunch with Hashem, with the Father, even though they don't understand everything the Father does, even though it doesn't make sense, even though the Jew may have challenges in their life, and Hashem says, you accept me even when you don't understand, then boy, do I love you. The greatest expression of love we could show is wanting to spend time with Hashem, loving Hashem, wanting to contribute and invest in our relationship with Hashem, even when we don't understand everything that Hashem does. 
And God reciprocates that gesture. So Shabbos is a day where we put aside our troubles, we put aside our worries, where we focus not on the challenges but on the good things. So that Mizmor, which we talked about Shabbos Shuvah at length, which doesn't talk about Shabbos, it introduces it, Mizmor Shili Yom HaShabbos, and then never mentions Shabbos. But the theme of the Mizmor is seeing the goodness of Hashem. It's a description of the time, the world to come, of the redemptive era, where we'll see everything of Hashem that's good. But he says, the hint, it's called Mizmor Shili Yom HaShabbos, because Shabbos is Me'in Olam Haba. Shabbos is a glimpse, a window into the world to come. Shabbos, you set aside all your troubles, and we are able to feel a certain serenity. We're at peace with Hashem. We accept Hashem and we don't challenge because of the issues that we have. When Shabbos arrives, a Jew feels it's good to praise Hashem. Everything is good, I have no problems. There's a beautiful prayer. I started saying two years ago. Between Shalom Aleichem and Eishes Chayal, there's a beautiful prayer. Now, for the full disclosure, there are some who are against it. Because on Shabbos we don't say Bakashos. It's filled with bakashos. How do you say it? But Hasidim say this prayer, Ribon kol ha'olamim. It appears in every venture between Eish Yitzchayel and Shalom Aleichem. It's a very beautiful, beautiful, beautiful tefillah. It really sets a tone for Friday night. This prayer talks about the week that was and our hopes for how Shabbos will go now and the week ahead. So in that prayer, God, I'm grateful to you for all the good that you've done with me and with my whole family. It's a moment to pause and look at the week that was and say, I want to thank you, God, for the week that passed. That is the job of a Jew on Shabbos. To put your worries and your challenges aside, to see only the goodness of Hashem, to connect to Him in that way. And that's why Shabbat Shalom, that's why the Arizal says, when a Jew walks into their house, they say, Shabbat Shalom, Umevorach. Shabbos, like the Korban Shlomim, brings a connection between us and God. So you can relate to God as an Evid, as a slave, or we can relate to God as a child, or as a spouse, meaning in a relationship. That's obviously the higher level, and that's why it says the Salaam Rebbe and our Parsha, Parsha's Tzav, the Korban Shlomim, he answered all five questions. Why is it the most superior? Why is it the only Korban we get to eat the meat? Because I want to have a meal with God. God says, you get to eat with me, sit at the dining room table. Why is it Yadav? Because when you do a gesture proactively, then it's described as, with my own hands I did it. Why is it introduced Zevach, a feast? Because this is unusual than all the other Korbanos. This one is not an Eved. It's brought as Kibanim. It's brought as a child. So he answered all of his questions. He described how the Korban Shlomim is categorically different than the other. It represents the bid for connection with God, not as a slave, but as a son. And now you'll hopefully remember Rosh Hashanah when we sing, Hayom Yamid Mishpat Im Kibanim Im Kavadim. Today we stand before you in judgment. And what's the judgment? God says, I want to know, you see yourself as my child or you see yourself as my slave? That's the judgment. It's a new spin. It's a beautiful insight. Do we see ourselves as God's children or do we see ourselves as God's slaves? Alright, have a fantastic uh, rest of the week in Shabbos. Shabbos Agadot Russia. I just gave you the Rashi Prakim, the outline, but we have some good stuff lined up.